0: And welcome back to Living My Best Disabled Life. Today we have Rebecca Tossig back to talk about disabled parenting. Hi, Rebecca. Hello. Hi.
1: Thanks for coming back. Of course. It's my pleasure. I'm really excited about this episode. Same, same. It feels like a conversation I don't hear like everywhere. So I'm excited for us to dive into it.
0: So I was just wondering to start off, like, did you always want to be a mom or were you like oh, like, maybe it's not possible. Maybe my disability will hold me back from being able to be a mom. Yeah. Not in the the physical sense, but also in the other senses, you know?
1: Yeah. When I was very little, I was super maternal, at least with my dolls. I, like, I, I was obsessed with baby dolls, and I would, like, pretend to nurse them and and change their diapers. And I like, I would get dolls, baby dolls for birthdays until I was like embarrassingly old to be still getting baby dolls. Um, So when I was really young, it very much felt like sort of this natural instinct, I guess is how I would have described it. But then as I got older, I didn't have that same picture in my mind of being a mom. And I think, I probably absorbed a lot of clues from the world around me that 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 was probably not something that I could or should do. So like, I am from a world where women are expected to grow up and be moms. Like the the community that I grew up in was really sort of had pretty kind of small boxes for what they imagined, different genders, like expectations of like what women should do with their lives and what paths men would take. And so uh, there was a pretty high expectation of most of the women around me that they would grow up to be moms and probably stay at home moms. And that was sort of the culture that I grew up in. But it was, that expectation was just not really aimed at me um, for good or bad, right? Like uh, on the one hand, I felt sort of excluded or like seen as fundamentally not compatible with motherhood. And on the other hand, I was sort of granted this permission to do other things because motherhood must not be in the cards for me with my disability. And that that was also like, my doctors never talked to me about the option or the desire to have kids. It was just sort of like kind of a giant cloak around me, sort of protecting me slash keeping me from this expectation of motherhood, I would say. I think that there was like good and bad that came with that. So yeah, I I kind of lost that connection to the idea of myself as a mom, um, really lost any sort of dream of that. Like I kind of put that aside and maybe would sort of like visit in quiet moments every once in a while alone, but I really started seeing other things in my future, especially like once I got into graduate school and was excited about the work I was doing in that and had gotten out of a a really dysfunctional relationship and was really excited about being single. So it really wasn't until I was in my early thirties and I was with a partner that I adored. And I had a doctor who like just started talking to me about like, do you want to be a parent? That I started to revisit that that picture for the first time in decades and it was sort of a roller coaster path but that was sort of the beginning of dreaming of a baby sort of I mean I was really open-handed about it like if this was something that would happen that could be interesting but it wasn't like my life won't be fulfilled without it and then we were kind of surprised that it I got pregnant really really quickly and easily with Otto.
0: Would you say that maybe part of like the change
1: of like, whether or not you
0: wanted to be a mom or whatever, was that, including yourself now, but like, there are a lot of disabled moms on like Instagram and like social media. So now like people can really see that it is possible. So would you say that that
1: has like an impact on? 100%, -hmm. totally. For me, it was Alex Wegman, um, Instagram. Kind of once once the, i had that conversation with the doctor and started actually thinking like oh well maybe this is something i can think about maybe this is an option for me i i found alex online and then there was one other account that's not as active anymore Brittany fisher i think was her name is her name and she was both of those accounts on instagram were like massive for me in being able to imagine practically and abstractly sort of this picture of motherhood, particularly for me from a wheelchair, right? Like watching this happen with someone who, who had a physicality that was really similar to mine and Alex, like I still think about some of the pictures of motherhood that she's given me and like ideas around motherhood that are really empowering as, as a disabled woman. So yeah, yes, Olivia, that is a huge part of it for me for sure I think it even
0: like I'm far far away from ever becoming a mom like I'm not having kids anytime soon but like you and these other people on Instagram and like I never thought it was possible I made this in my mind that like I was I was never gonna have kids because it's not like in the cards even if I wanted to how would I do it Mm -hmm. you know that yeah. so that that's interesting, how, like you know, in that sense that like society has changed through like the lens of social media and stuff,
1: yeah, right. I mean, like think about that, I mean, I think about that too, like, how many years ago would all of these women with disabilities kind of just hear the message or or kind of receive the message that maybe we shouldn't or probably shouldn't be parents, and how like subversive and like powerfully subversive it is to have spaces where we get to see each other living our lives without any gatekeepers or without any non-disabled lens sort of putting a spin on that story but just like disabled people showing up in their lives and sharing that with each other is i think incredibly powerful
0: yeah like the raw reality is like it's yeah. like it's not another lens it's people's individual experiences rather than like the media telling you this or
1: telling you that or yeah yeah i think so too yeah just like getting to see real people living their lives can be and has been i think both of us like really empowering to see other possibilities like what this life could look like
0: so going off of that how do you think you've like adapted as a disabled mother and like are there any specific Things that you do differently to make it easier for you, any kind of technology, any like specific like, like tiny things that you do a little bit different that no one really noticed, but it really helps.
1: Yeah, I could probably talk about that for a while, but like like a one really concrete thing is that uh, is like Otto's crib. You know, like all of the all of the tools that are made for parents and babies and, and children are. Like the vast majority of them are created for parents that stand and walk and have a certain kind of balance and strength of different body parts, right? Like that's they're created for that. So every single tool from like a bouncer to a crib to a high chair has to be like kind of reconsidered or or rethought or thought about really carefully. So Otto's crib was one of the big things that we struggled with trying to figure out and we even like bought some online that we thought looked like they would work, but then when I tried them, they didn't. So what we ended up doing for Otto's crib was we just bought like a really basic ikea crib and then my brother like cut a door in the side of it and we just have like it just opens like a little door and and we have like a couple of i guess they're locks like a couple of different locks on the side of it and and i think like i'm excited as Otto is getting bigger because he's two now like pretty soon we're going to transition to a bed. And so I think, you know, like just leaving that door open is like a way that we're going to ease into that, which feels like a good, a good sort of setup for him. And it works for me because I can just sort of pu- pull my chair right up to the side of his crib. And, and pretty early on, um he just kind of like reaches for me and, and we do that. The car seat was another, has continues to be another big one. And I'll just say like part of, part of what's interesting about, when they're really young which is the only i mean i only have a two-year-old so i don't i don't know too much beyond this but like babies grow so fast i mean like i knew that i knew that they change and fast quickly but just like being there in it and seeing how quickly their mobility is changing means that i'm like constantly having to reconfigure things which like thank goodness i'm kind of used to that as a disabled person anyways but Like it's at a speed that was unprecedented for me, like having to re-figure out how to do things. So the car seat is one that has, is like a a setup that has changed for us several times as Otto has also grown and changed. But yeah, what I ended up doing for figuring out how to get him in and out of a car seat from the time he was really little, I would like strap him to my chest with a carrier. And then I kind of practiced and learned how to transition into the car, into the back seat next to the car seat with him strapped to me. So I would kind of move from my chair to the back seat. I didn't ever really stand. I just sort of like used my arms to sort of pop from my chair to the back seat with him strapped to me. And then I could sit in the seat next to him as I put him in the car seat, which is just something I'd never seen anyone do because every picture I had with babies in car seats was parents like standing next to the car and lifting and putting their baby into the seat that way. And then as Otto has gotten older, it's made more sense to sort of like teach him how to get in and out of his car seat and he's doing that now although not always seamlessly like a lot there's a lot of coaxing he does not like to be confined but you know like we're continuing to change that as he changes and and troubleshoot and, and figure out new methods so those are a couple of examples i mean i'm sure we can talk about that into the afternoon but it's it's a lot of problem solving which thankfully you know People with disabilities are used to doing a lot of problem solving. I think so. Yeah, it's just a different kind of problem solving. Yeah, 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 it is. And and yeah, we could talk a lot about that too. Like bringing in a new person into that process is also different for me. But a lot of it is also familiar.
0: Yeah, it's it's like the little things. It's really the little things people people don't really think about. Like oh, how you how you do anything. You know, it's like not really things people are like oh, that's, that's going to be an issue for someone. They don't really even think think that that, because it's instinctive to them. Oh, this is easy. This is just how I do something, you know? Yeah,
1: Yeah. and I, I think that's, I think that's true of a lot of parts of life, though, even, like, without a kid. I mean, I'm sure you're used to that, like, people taking something for granted about, like, just try a new restaurant without like knowing how accessible it is. Or like, there are like a lot of things that people take for granted when they don't have a disability. And I think that the same is true when people become parents, right? Like it's kind of the same thing with maybe some higher stakes uh, attached to it since there is like an infant involved, but yeah, it's the same, it's the same thing, uh, the same assumptions and the same problem solving just. Now there's a there's a child involved
0: i know you're only two years into being, um, being a parent and stuff but what advice would you give someone who either wants to become a parent who's disabled or is
1: just becoming a parent now mm-hmm. oh where do i start i'm not really i'm not super great at giving advice i i think i would say like one important thing is to surround yourself with people who are life giving and and supportive and empowering to you, and like really put a hard line and like not spending time around people, and I mean this like in person, in real life, in like in real life, but also just like on social media. There's so many pictures of motherhood that you can that will sort of like inundate you, right? Like pictures of motherhood that might make you feel insufficient or like you're not matching a certain picture of motherhood and I would say just like stay away from all of that for me like we talked about on the front end like having other disabled moms around me has been a huge part of that just like because I think in my experience the pictures of motherhood that we have that we're just sort of surrounded in growing up are really pretty specific right like they're like non-disabled pictures of motherhood they're like mothers that don't seem to have any needs of any sort like they're just sort of able to do everything and give everything and and be patient all the time and do all the birthday crafts i mean like this is sort of like this really narrow picture of motherhood that i feel like i grew up with and and it's so hard to get that picture out of your head when you've been when you've just been saturated in it in your whole life and i think for me, I was shocked by how loud that um, that image or that picture was for me as I became a mom. Cause I've done all kinds of work on like feeling comfortable with my disability and feeling valuable as a disabled person and like feeling okay with doing things differently. And then as soon as I became a mom and I didn't match that picture of motherhood that I had in my head, I have dealt with some like some of the most intense internalized ableism I've ever felt in my life. And even as I know, like these, these expectations that are running through my head are, are BS, like this is, this is nonsense. It still can be really powerful. And so I think as, as much as you can find ways to disengage and distance yourself from that punishing sort of impossible picture of motherhood, and and lean into the people that like are there to help you become the actual mother that you are the actual parent that you are the better like get away from those get away from those pictures of parenthood you're going to do things differently as every parent does your version of parenting is going to be entirely unique to you and your child that's the truth for every parent it's definitely true for disabled parents and so as much as you can find ways to tap into that, hold on to that, and ignore all the other clutter, I think that the better. If that even makes sense, does that make sense, Olivia? No, it makes
0: total sense. I don't know why you always say, does that make sense? Because it actually
1: does. (laughs) I'm glad. I'm trying to sort it out in my own mind, so I'm glad it makes sense. Yeah.
0: Yeah, everyone's version of parenthood is different, and I guess, like, with all these, like, what parenthood's supposed to be, it's kind of toxic and stuff and it kind of like destroys your like inner um, confidence in yourself
1: to become like a mother. So yes, yeah. Yes. And like your kind of mother, right? Like who you are as a mother. Like I hate the idea. And it's so easy for me to see this for you. So much harder for me to see it for myself. But like the idea that your motherhood, if you become a mom, the idea that that who you are as a mom would be squelched or minimized or diminished because of some arbitrary like one-dimensional punishing picture of this impossible motherhood feels like such uh, so devastating beyond the fact of just like it's disempowering and and doesn't help you become a better mom it's such a loss because like who we each are as individual parents i think is like Uh, a beautiful a beautiful part of humanity and this like this whole experience of being a parent like i want you to be able to be the parent you are i want me to be able to be the parent i am our parenting would look different too like all of this can be so different and i i just hate how much smaller we're all made by this like impossible vision that towers over us
0: that goes for a lot of things in uh, a lot of different aspects of
1: life agreed agreed Yeah, why does it keep happening? (laughs)
0: Yes. What do you wish that, if you could say one thing to, like, people, like, able-bodied people who, like, you know, might not believe that disabled people should even be parents, like, what do you wish they could either know or what would you, like, say to Uh, them? I don't know if that makes sense. uh,
1: No, yes, I would say, oh, honey, I'm sorry, your life is so, so small. I'm sorry that your imagination is so so small. I'm sorry that you have created these expectations that don't make any sense for any of us. If that's the way that you are approaching life and looking at people, I am sorry that you are seeing things with such a small vision of what life is and who people are. Um, and if that is what you think about disabled people becoming parents, like heaven help you if you become a parent. like. I'm so sorry for the expectations that you must hold for yourself too. Like, yeah, I would say that that is, that is just a really small picture of, of life and I, and, and unimaginative and uninformed. I think a lot of people don't understand or know, or don't know how to picture what motherhood or parenthood would look like for a disabled person. And I think that can make sense. Like if you haven't seen it around you, it makes sense that you wouldn't know what that would look like. But I think that what you do with that feeling uh, of like not being able to picture it or not knowing is is to be curious and like learn and look to disabled people to show you and and have your mind expand through that. So yeah, I think, I think I would say something like that. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, such a small. they are so narrow-minded. Yeah, such a small, small way to approach life.
0: You know, I feel like as, this might be true, but I don't, I don't know, but like, you know, like when you have a kid and you're disabled, your kid doesn't know any different. So why, why would people be like, oh, uh, that person shouldn't have a kid. But that kid doesn't
1: even know any difference. That kid's like, all oh, these people, these other parents, they're walking. What? Well, and also just like the idea. I mean, once you start playing that game of like, well, that person shouldn't be a parent because, I mean, you can play that game forever. There are so many ways you could go about trying to decide who should or shouldn't be a parent, and that's not our job. Like, we don't do that's not something that is our job. We don't get to decide that for anyone. Yeah. Uh, okay. So. I mean, I think I could make my own list of, of like, well, I don't think that anybody who believes this or anyone who thinks this should ever be a parent either, yeah. um, but I don't get to decide that.
0: Well, this has been an uh, incredible conversation. I have really enjoyed it. And I, I really like that I did this one because I feel like it's a, it's a topic that people don't really think about, like. Like I've done other topics but I feel like this is the least talked about topic in the disabled community and even outside of the disabled community.
1: Yeah. Well, can I say one thing about that Olivia like why I, one reason I think that might be like why people don't I I like I want to kind of is that okay do we have time? Yeah. Okay. Yes. I think I think that one reason that we don't hear a ton about parenthood and disability is that there's there's something incredibly vulnerable about really sharing that picture with people in a world that does have so much skepticism about disability and parenthood, right? Like I have before Otto was born, I thought that I would be posting about motherhood all the time, and and I and I haven't been able to do that as much as I imagined I would because of that scrutiny, because of that that fear of like, who's going to see this and judge me as a parent and potentially do something more scary with like child protective services or, or whatever. I mean, like the reality is that because because we live in a world that that is really skeptical of disabled parents, there are like the law is applied differently to us. Like the number of parents who lose custody of their kids who have disabilities is disproportionate to the number of parents who don't have disabilities. I mean, like that's part of it. And so like showing up and like bringing a public audience into parenthood, as a person with a disability has like scary stakes attached to it. And especially if you're going to try to be like honest about the messiness of that, because all parenting is messy, right? There's things that are hard for all of us, but like as a disabled parent, there's a lot of reasons why you might be hesitant to talk about or share any of it. So I, yeah, I'm really glad that you are, are starting this conversation here too. I think it's something that The more we're able to collect kind of collectively push against those those punishing one-dimensional pictures of parenthood the better for all of us for all all people who want to or thinking about or are parents think about becoming parents i think that's better for all of us but but there's reasons why it's not always just like in the forefront for people and it sucks it sucks that that's the setup, but at least that's what I've experienced, and I and I've heard from a couple of other folks too that uh, it can be hard to be honest about it. It there's incentives to like keep that private. So yeah, that makes total sense. I I uh, never actually thought about it that way. Yeah, yeah. Me neither. I didn't think about it until I was here, and I was like, oh wait a minute, this is harder than I thought it would be so anyways yeah thank you for and starting like asking the questions and I, I i feel like i could talk to you about it for a long time
0: oh um, i could totally talk about this forever i could talk forever in general <laughs> well, I, think I, I, I about talking to you like our conversations are always so like eye-opening and like i i feel like i'm 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 just gonna, I love getting people's different perspectives, but specifically yours. I don't, like, know why specifically yours, but, like, out of everyone I've, like, interviewed, I, I
1: just love, like,
0: your perspective on things.
1: Well, I love your questions. So, thank you for, like, asking them and having me on, and I love that you are, I think that you are very well suited for doing a podcast with all of your curiosity and, like, love for connecting with people, so I'm glad you're doing it. I'm impressed too because I know it's a lot of work. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> it
0: is so much
1: work. It is. So you're doing it though.
0: Well, thanks for coming again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks everyone, for listening to Living My Best Disabled Life. Tune in next time for the next episode.